Welcome to the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. It is Friday. It is the 27th day of May 2022 and we've got so much to talk about I decided to forego the Friday morning jingle. Sorry to those of you who look forward to hearing it. Maybe on another edition of the program later today, we'll squeeze it in. I want to run through the headlines quickly. Fox News wrote yesterday, Democrats blaming voters for being stupid rather than acknowledging their failed ideology. Glenn Greenwald. Uh, It says a new poll shows the majority of Americans believe President Biden is incompetent amid a struggling economy, spiking inflation, as well as other factors like the immigration crisis and his mishandling of the COVID virus. Empty shelves, rising interest rates, and other factors. All right, we know all about that. The next headline says, what does it say here? Gaffes are trial balloons. Biden's loose lips are rattling the world stage. My money is on gaffes because he is the gaff master. He's been screwing up words coming out of his word hole every day since announcing he was running for president. His own party laughed at him on the stage during the primaries, if you recall, before he finally got to run against Donald Trump. Our next headline, CNN host wonders if children are better off aborted if they come from a poor household. While interviewing Governor Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas, Dana Bash posed a question that perfectly encapsulates how dark our abortion politics are in the United States. Wouldn't poor people be better off dead? Dana Bash said, quote, Arkansas already struggles to support vulnerable children. Nearly one in four children in Arkansas lives in poverty. More than 4,600 kids are already in the state's overloaded foster care system. She asked the governor, do you really think that your state is prepared to protect and care for even more children if abortion does become legal here? Wouldn't those poor children be better off in a planned parenthood wastebasket than living in Arkansas? What Dana Bash was implying is that abortion is a solution to poverty and that children who might end up being born into poverty or put into foster care would be better off dead. And that's similar to what we heard from Representative Katie Porter, a Democrat from California, and even ancient Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury. Never mind that California has nearly identical rates of child poverty and children in foster care as Arkansas, despite being a haven for abortion-obsessed politicians. Clearly in their minds, poor children or children born into difficult circumstances are worth less than others. In other words, those lives don't matter. This article doesn't go into the whole black issue, but since blacks are supposedly more in poverty than whites, perhaps what Dana Bash and these other Democrats are suggesting is black babies should be aborted to avoid living in poverty because those black lives to Democrats really don't matter. Fox News reports that the District of Columbia, D.C. Archdiocese remains silent on the church's banning of naughty, nasty, Nazi Nancy Pelosi from receiving Holy Communion. They say any inquiries will simply be ignored. They're not answering the press's question. And they shouldn't have to. That is a matter of spiritual choice. Biden's words on Taiwan will leave allies in an awkward spot, the New York Times writes. Even before Biden traveled to Tokyo last week to strengthen the partnership with Australia, India, and Japan, the alliance was already struggling to present a united front as India refrained from condemning Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And now that Gropey Joe once again has let his tongue slip and made stupid gaffes about attacking China, 
potentially causing the United States to virtually start World War III if he hasn't already begun it by his stupid remarks involving the Ukraine and Russia, old Joe Biden continues to screw up on the world stage just as badly as he does here domestically. Our next topic, a Black Lives Matter co-founder used $840,000 of the group's funds to pay her brother for so-called security services. You get a black thug criminal, hand him a gun and make him the head of your security, and then write it off on your taxes as a nonprofit organization's security costs. The co-founder of Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation used donated funds from black people and from stupid white people who have white guilt and feel like they should do something and use those funds to pay her brother $840,000 for, quote, professional security services, unquote, according to the tax documents that they, Black Lives Matter, had to file with the IRS. The filing showed that Patrice Cullors, a colorful figure, the organization's one-time executive director, paid this sum of money of $840,000 to Colors Protection, a company owned by her brother, Paul Colors. Now, Paul Colors is noted for being a graffiti artist. According to an artist description on the Crenshaw Dairy Mart, an artist collective co-founded by none other than Patrice Colors. He was cited in the New York Magazine as the BLM head of security. Now, Shalomaya Bowers, the foundation's board's secretary, told the Associated Press that Paul Culler's company was hired because the group, which often protests against law enforcement organization, felt that its protection could not be entrusted to any former police officers who typically run security firms. According to that same tax filing, the organization also paid more than $969,000 for live event design and media production to a company called Trap Heels LLC, founded by Damon Turner, who fathered a child with Patrice Colors. The nepotism grows strong with this one. According to an exclusive published by the AP in February last year, BLM received $90 million in donations in the year 2020 alone, and several blacktivists and supporters of the movement have called for more transparency to show how the money received is being used. Can you imagine? By the way, BLM invested $32 million of white guilt money donations in stocks to help ensure the foundation's work will continue in the future. Then there's that $6 million mansion in Studio City near Los Angeles that was basically, you know, a gimme. Supposedly, it's a retreat for black artists. Six bedrooms, six bathrooms, a swimming pool, a soundstage, office space. BLM reportedly spent $37.7 million in the fiscal year ending June 30th, 2021, according to the Tax Foundation filing. And that included the payments to trap heels of almost a million and the 800 plus thousand to colors protection. $26 million was allegedly used on grants to different local chapters, organizations, and individual families. And I'm telling you, my friends, they gave $200,000 to the Trayvon Martin Foundation. Colors, who stepped down as the executive director in May, claims she didn't take any direct financial compensation for her work with the BLM disgusting organization. Joe Biden's economy is now rippling throughout the globe. 
the so-called microchip shortage that battered the auto industry has caused Toyota to say it will cut their global manufacturing by 100,000 vehicles in the coming year. Well, less supply means higher prices, Joe Biden. If Joe Biden would have just followed through on what Donald Trump had begun, well, we'd be manufacturing our own microchips here in the United States now, and we wouldn't have to worry nearly as much about supply, demand, inflation, recession, and higher interest rates. The Washington Examiner's Naomi Lim writes, Biden, like Obama, promises unity but does not deliver. Joe Biden appears to be doubting whether he can keep his campaign promise to unify the nation, you think? As he continues to adopt an even more partisan tone in a midterm election year. If true, this acknowledgement demonstrates Biden's recognition that he has failed to manage the expectations he set as former President Barack Hussein Obama failed to manage the hope and change mantra during his stint in the White House. Reagan biographer Craig Shirley said of Joe Biden, quote, he can't unite America because he doesn't understand America, nor does he understand the bully pulpit or presidential leadership. Obama used words that he did not understand. He was skilled in the study of himself, which is why he was the nation's first Facebook president. Speaking of Obama, of course. Biden underestimated the depth of vision and the depth of division felt by a large percentage of Americans. The divide increases every day with Joe Biden and the Democrats running the nation further into the toilet. Remember when Donald Trump talked about dead people voting and all of the voter fraud that the mainstream media simply laughed at but is now each and every week turning out to be as true as Donald Trump said? Jim Sardar, WLNS of Lansing, Michigan, writes, died prior to the date of signing. Report finds 68,000 invalid signatures in Michigan. That's right. The Michigan Bureau of Elections says it has found an unprecedented number of invalid signatures by candidates attempting to run for office. That's just the beginning. Officials say their investigation found 68,000 invalid signatures spread across 10 different campaigns. And this may knock a bunch of candidates off the ballot, including several people running for Michigan's governor job. The Bureau released findings Monday night stating, although it is typical for staff to encounter some signatures of dubious authenticity scattered within nominating positions and petitions, the Bureau is unaware of another election cycle which this many circulators submitted such substantial volumes of fraudulent petition sheets consisting of invalid signatures, nor an instance in which it affected as many candidate petitions as at present. At this point, the Bureau does not have reason to believe that any specific candidates or campaigns were aware of the activities of the fraudulent petition circulators. But the report said it found an unusually large number of petition sheets where every signature line was completed or where every line was completed but one or two were crossed out. They found an unusually large number of petition sheets that showed no evidence of normal wear that accompanies circulation. In other words, these were blank, smooth, flat pieces of paper. Corners weren't curled, no accidental scuffs or minor wear damage or water damage from rain or any of the other characteristics that come from sheets being kept on clipboards and handled by multiple people in indoor or outdoor public settings. 
There were sheets they found that were round-tabled, a practice in which a group of people passes individual sheets around a table with each individual at the table signing one line on each sheet with handwriting different from the circulator's handwriting in an attempt to make handwriting and signatures appear authentic and appear to have been received from actual voters. They also found sheets of which every instance of the handwriting of certain letters across different signatory lines and sheets, including the signatures themselves, were nearly identical to even the most casual observer. The report says the Election Bureau is working with the Michigan Department of State's Office of Investigative Services to refer those apparent fraud cases to law enforcement for investigation. Yes, and guess who the majority of these were? Right there, D, Democrat. Amazing, isn't it? The Odyssey radio staff from the Terra Show reports Biden's Border Patrol is releasing terrorists into the country. We didn't need a radio show to tell us that. The Truth Hurts program told you that months and months ago. Did President Joe Biden's timing of his trip through Asia coincide with the expiration of the Title 42 expiration so he would not have to answer questions about it? That's what Tara Servicius believes. So Joe Biden, you'll remember, fled the country in anticipation of the Title 42 ending, and then a judge stopped it over the weekend. The timing couldn't be worse, she said because the U.S. is already looking for, coincidentally, 42 individuals on the international terrorist watch list that came through the southern border and were simply released into the country by border security on the orders and directives of Joe Biden. And then she went on to explain the story of Isnardo Garcia Amado, a suspected terrorist who was allowed to roam free in the U.S. before being rearrested by ICE. But this individual got to roam freely throughout the United States for two full weeks. Way to go, gropey Joe. Let's see, the next article, gas prices up 35% since Biden touted his so-called major effort to reduce gas prices. Remember, he released a million barrels a day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, weakening our nation's defenses. And the prices still have gone up 30 MSNBC rips Biden for his Taiwan gaffe, sign of, quote, bumbling foreign policy and, quote, incompetence. You know it's bad. You know it's bad when MSNBC, the liberal, progressive, woke, Democrat-supporting media network, is bashing gropey Joe Biden. In fact, opinion columnist Zishan Alim blasted gropey Joe Biden on MSNBC for his latest, quote, bumbling foreign policy gaffe on Taiwan. Now, this is an older story, so I'm not going to go through the entire thing, but it was a scathing article against the president by one of the networks that he counts on for support. Market Watch writes, inflation will be higher for longer and you're not going to like what comes next. Vitali Katzenelson's contrarian edge stated, the list of things for investors to worry about is growing. In fact, when you are abuzz with feelings of either success or failure, that's when you want to tighten your process to make sure your emotions don't mess with your head or your decision-making. High on the list currently is, of course, inflation. Not just for investors, but for every single American who has to worry about paying for things. Bringing down inflation isn't easy. The challenge for central banks is even greater because of six intersecting factors that could put the global economy on a path to stagflation. 
The six uh, factors are, of course, the price of oil. Even before the coronavirus pandemic, the global supply of oil and natural gas was constrained by a decline in investment in the sector. And that's because people like Joe Biden were already pushing to eliminate that industry. The oil market is a very expensive endeavor. And in order to get a return on your investment, the billions of dollars you have to spend in lease acquisitions, exploration, drilling, hoping, and then finally capturing and refining that petroleum product into something people want to buy, that's a multi-billion dollar investment. And it takes years for that investment to come to fruition in the form of a return. Now, why would any company want to continue investing billions of dollars when you have someone like Joe Biden taking the reins of the country and saying, nope, we're going to shut that industry down? Why would they want to invest a penny in exploration, a penny in new equipment, a penny in uh, refining? There's just no justification for it. The second pillar is natural gas, and it's much the same way. Natural gas goes the way of oil. Third was food, of course. Russia and Ukraine produce about 15% of the world's wheat supply, and those two countries account for about one-third of global wheat exports, 7% of global wheat consumption. Russia, of course, doesn't like Joe Biden, can't stand him, and so he's just shut off the exports. That creates price increases around the world. But we grow wheat here in the United States, a lot of it. If we would stop exporting our wheat to other countries around the world, then Joe Biden could allow our price of food to go down, but he doesn't do so. High fertilizer prices go along with this whole entire wheat deal. Fertilizer, of course, for everything, all calories from corn to avocados to meat to rice to sugar. Fertilizer prices caused by Biden's inflation are causing food prices all around the entire country to go higher. Number four on the list, interest rates. Because Joe Biden and his appointed economic advisors didn't see this coming, didn't predict something that we predicted on this tiny little podcast a year and a half ago, now they're having to raise interest rates. The more realistic number right now than the one they're reporting if you include energy prices, home heating, food inflation, furniture inflation, cars, we are really actually somewhere around 12 to 18% inflation. That's if you don't add the import-export inflation numbers, which are not adjusted by the government. If you don't take into consideration stimulus programs, grants, and giveaways, right now, this nation is actually seeing a 12 to 18% inflation rate. Next, of course, number five is Empty Shelves Joe, the supply chain problems. Can't blame this all on China, except China did introduce the world to the COVID Wuhan China novel coronavirus, and people got sick and companies laid off, and therefore things weren't being produced, thus Joe Biden's supply chain problems. Finally, number six, something called deglobalization, something we don't normally discuss because it's not that important. Globalization was a great deflationary tsunami. 
The pandemic exposed the fragility of our vaunted just-in-time inventory and global supply system. You know, make just enough for what you think people are going to want to buy so you can keep your prices right about there. And suddenly we had supply issues thanks to Joe Biden. We have inflation now thanks to Joe Biden. And because we don't produce anything here in the United States, we have the issues that Joe Biden has wrought upon our country. We didn't have these high, massive price increases when Donald Trump was the president, even though he had an entire year of the Wuhan China novel coronavirus pandemic to contend with. And it was new. It was novel. It was never before seen when Donald Trump was battling feverishly under Operation Warp Speed. He introduced the Presidential Production Act to get the much-needed medical supplies and equipment into the hands of the people who needed it. But it is what it is. Next topic, Politico. Biden to issue an executive order on policing, which will, of course, weaken the police, which is the Democrats' goal. On the second anniversary of the death of the criminal thug animal George Floyd, Gropey Joe Biden will sign a piece of executive order reform that he calls a move eagerly awaited after legislative efforts to curtail the police failed. Biden's executive action will establish a national police registry for officers fired due to alleged misconduct. It will require that all federal law enforcement agencies submit records such as complaints and disciplinary actions to a national database so they can fire cops, get them off the force, and weaken the entire policing of America. Look, I know there are bad cops out there, and yes, those bad cops should be eliminated from police forces. But limiting law enforcement agencies, scaring the hell out of them so that they simply are afraid to do the jobs they were hired to do is no way to solve Joe Biden's massive crime problem in the United States. All right, CNBC. Stellantis CEO warns of electric vehicle battery shortage followed by a lack of raw materials. Carlos Tavares expects a large shortage of electric vehicle batteries next year, starting next year, and a massive shortage in the 24-25 year, followed by a lack of raw materials for the vehicles by the 27-28 model year. That's just a few years away, folks. The possibility of these shortages has been the focus of Wall Street analysts when rating automakers and predicting their future ability to sell electronic and electric vehicles. Stellantis is the fourth largest car maker in the world. It was formed last year when Fiat, Chrysler, and Group PSA out of France merged. Stellantis CEO Carlos Tavares says he expects shortages of batteries and the raw materials needed to make EVs and their batteries in the next few years as the global automotive industry does what I told you they were trying to do, keep the gasoline-powered vehicles off the showroom floors and out of the car dealers' lots so they can shove electric vehicles down our throats. But they don't have enough raw materials or batteries or chips to put those vehicles out on the road. And guess what? I'm not buying one. I don't know enough about them. There have not been enough real-world test miles done by these newfangled vehicles yet. 
to make me feel confident that they will work properly for the long haul. Okay, that was kind of silly. We know the Chevy Volt has been around for several years, mired by problems, mired by breakdowns, battery failures, fires. We know that electric vehicles, even the mighty Teslas, have serious problems. You go ahead and buy one if you want. Go right ahead. I won't. Stellantis says they're investing $35 billion in electric vehicles, and they expect to achieve annual sales of about 5 million electric vehicles globally by the year 2030. That would include passenger car sales in Europe having to be 100% electric. They are implementing Rush, the Canadian rock band's song, Red Barchetta, in real time. And what happens when there aren't enough EVs to go around? Oh, well, tough. People like Joe Biden will kill the oil and gas industry, and there'll be no more oil or gas-powered vehicles. Here's something I don't know if you knew about. ISIS had a plot to kill George W. Bush. It should be a wake-up call for the Biden administration, according to General Bolduc. Don Bolduc is a retired brigadier general and New Hampshire state Senate candidate and he ripped the Biden administration for leaving Americans completely vulnerable with his relaxed immigration policies. When he appeared on Fox and Friends first on Wednesday, Bolduc addressed the foiled ISIS plot to kill former President George W. Bush and tied in loose restrictions on illegal immigration, adding that the current administration is, quote, failing at all levels, unquote. General Bolduc said, nothing is more important than our border security, our homeland security, and everything we do to secure Americans here in this country. Let's face it, the Biden administration is failing on all levels here, and they are just doing things that are exacerbating the opportunity for this. Thank goodness our Joint Terrorism Task Force has been in place. We have cooperation at the federal, state, and local level outside the country to identify threats, but they only have to be right once. We have to be right every single time. The Biden administration with their policies have left Americans completely vulnerable across the board, not only here in the United States, but outside the United States, across the world. And this must change. I hope this is a wake-up call. But we haven't seen any wake-up calls for the economy, the inflation, fiscal stability, or anywhere else where they've created significant vulnerability for Americans. Congratulations, General. That is very wise, sage remarks. And that is all the time I have for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Lots more to talk about on the next edition. It is Memorial Day weekend. Try and remember what this is for. Go out there and have a great time. We'll see you on the next program. Man, I can't believe these high gasoline prices. Damn Vladimir Putin and COVID. <laughs> Excuse me, did you just try and blame these high gasoline prices on Putin and COVID? Yeah, President Biden was just on CNN and he said these high gasoline prices are completely the fault of Vladimir Putin and the COVID virus. I think he tried to blame Trump too. And you believe that lie? Well, what do you mean lie? He's the president. Look, buddy, gasoline prices were very low during the previous president's entire four years in office. In fact, the last time they were really high was when Joe Biden was the vice president under that Obama character. Really? The prices started rising the day after Biden took office as president. And these are facts. I'm not making this up. Really? I didn't realize that. 
Well, that's because on day one, Biden killed the Keystone Energy Pipeline, canceled all those oil and gas leases, and refused to issue any drilling permits for the oil companies. No permits, no oil, no oil, no gasoline. Supply and demand. But, but President Biden said even if they gave the go-ahead today for the Keystone Pipeline, it would probably be like a year to a year and three months before the thing would even be operational. Duh! And had Joe Biden allowed the Keystone Pipeline project to be completed and continue on the day he took off? instead of canceling it, you know, a year to a year and four months ago, that oil would already be flowing to refineries and gasoline prices would certainly be lower. Oh, I see. And also, had Biden not canceled all the oil and gas leases back then, the U.S. would already be drilling our own oil and refining our own gasoline. Safer, cleaner, and less expensive than having to beg OPEC and Russia and Venezuela to ship their dirty crude oil here on polluting tanker ships. Of course gasoline prices would be cheaper had Joe Biden not screwed up all the good things we had going before he took office. Well, like what? Like energy independence for the first time in 60 years. You know, when the last guy was president. Like being the net exporter of oil, natural gas, liquefied petroleum gas, coal, and other energy sources. Like controlling our southern border and finishing the wall to keep out terrorists, criminals, drug cartels, human traffickers, smugglers. Like reducing crime instead of making criminals out to be heroes and making cops out to be the bad guys. Wow, who would have thought when I woke up this morning that a stop for fuel would have turned into an education for me? What are you, some kind of political science specialist? Nope, just an average, ordinary, common-sense American citizen who isn't brainwashed by CNN, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, NBC, or HLN. Just a regular guy who remembers how good we had it just three years ago when the last guy was president and sees how bad things have gotten since January 2021 when Joe Biden started destroying America. I sure wish we could somehow make America great again. Yeah, me too, sir. Me too. Thank you for listening. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Mm -hmm.